And brothers and sisters, happy Sunday. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, let the same spirit, the same love that was in Christ Jesus dwell within this body. Amen. Jesus is praying for us uh, this week, praying for you, praying for all of us. Perhaps we need it more than ever. Before he became a war correspondent, Chris Hedges was a seminarian at Harvard Theological Seminary. He graduated with a Master's of Divinity degree, same as I did. And for reasons I don't know, he chose not to follow the path of ministry, but instead to become a journalist with the New York Times, later with the Washington Post, and then even later with the Associated Press. And he reported on wars, conflicts, predominantly in Sarajevo, um, but in also other parts of Europe. Eventually, having seen enough, he wrote a book. And the book is called War is a Force That Gives Us Meaning. In the book, he proposes the somewhat counterintuitive idea that humankind makes war in order to fulfill our desire for purpose. That war exists because we have an emptiness within us that we need to fill. And we choose to fill it with violence because of this mythology that we have that violence is somehow redemptive. The uh, ancient Hebrew people, upon discovering the Phoenicians and the Canaanites, became disgusted by them because these ancient peoples, these Phoenicians especially, would build something they called the Moloch. It was a giant bronze figure, a bull, head of a bull and the arms of a man and the legs of a man, and it was hollow on the inside. And they would build a fire around this giant figure until it was red hot, and then they would put their children inside the bull and sacrifice them to Baal. And the ancient Hebrew people became disgusted by this practice, so disgusted, in fact, that it became a part of their mythology time when Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son to God, and God stayed his hand, because ours is not a God that demands the sacrifice of children. And yet, somehow today, we are experiencing the same disgust that the ancient Hebrew people experienced before us as we sacrifice our children to a Moloch called guns. And so, like war, I think that guns in America are a force that gives us meaning. And all of this, I think, at the most foundational level, is atheism. I think it's atheism because I think that people who worship guns and people who worship war believe that it is the ultimate 
arbiter of that which is true and powerful. But as Christians, we know that just the opposite is the case. We know that the ultimate power is to be found in an infant laying in a cradle, helpless in a babe in Bethlehem, or in a slaughtered son weeping upon a cross, powerless. That our faith is founded on the belief that it is through forgiveness, grace, mercy, through the practice of innocence and right speech, through contrition and, and repentance and confession, and through laying down one's life, that we pick up power, and that that is the way in which our Creator wields power in the universe. And so like those ancient Hebrews, we have to look out at a world that is so opposed to our faith that it would choose to sacrifice children to a false god made out of metal and believe that that somehow bestows power upon the men who wield that weapon. So my heart is broken for all of you. I'm incredibly sorry. I wish that there was something that I could say that would ease the pain of this plague, this unending tide of violence and destruction that is carried out in the classrooms of our, of our schools. A plague that is happening in no other developed nation on the planet Earth except for the United States of America. This is the only place in the world where this happens. There are 141 countries on this planet and this is the only country where it happens. It doesn't happen in other developed countries. It doesn't happen in other Christian nations. It doesn't happen in other constitutional republics. It doesn't happen in other democracies. It doesn't happen in autocracies. It doesn't happen in other nations. Only this one, this exceptional nation, sacrifices classrooms after classrooms of children because it's obsessed with worshiping firearms instead of God. And it's a sick indictment that will be written forever in the history books. A plague. And we've had such crimes in our past, such crimes. For God's sakes, we conquered slavery in this nation. We can't seem to find a way to conquer this horrific tide of violence. And the purpose of my sermon today was really to talk about schism in the church. But I am less fearful of the schism in the church than I am in the schism in this nation. Because the church is founded on things that are the, th the church is founded on things that can't change, on the word of God. And this nation seems to be in sinking sand. And so is Jesus praying for us this week? I believe so. Because I don't believe that the Bible is a history book. I don't believe that the Bible describes things that happened thousands of years ago. I don't believe that the Bible, I certainly don't believe it's a, a science book. I believe it's a holy book. And because of that, I believe that everything that is written on the pages of the Bible is happening now. And so Christ Jesus is praying for us right now in the midst of our pain. And he is praying 
He is praying that we would be one, that we would be united. We're definitely not. We took this phrase that he prayed for us and we really ran with it in this denomination. He said uh, that they may all be one. And we took that in the United Church of Christ. We made that our denomination's motto, that they may all be one. You know, when we were founded, there was a fight in the late 50s about, whether, about the, what our denomination's name should be. They landed on United Church of Christ. But before that, it was called the Uniting Church of Christ. The Uniting Church of Christ. There were some of our uh, forebears who believed so strongly in the mission of this movement that they believed that we might be the very vessel by which all of the Christian denominations would end their schism and would become one once more. That was our original purpose. Because Jesus is coming back. And, uh, and the church is the bride of Christ. And in the words of the old Baptist preacher, Jesus is coming back and he wants a bride, not a harem. But we're so divided. Um, when I was to be ordained, a few, a few years ago, they, they wanted me to choose because I had been practicing ministry in a couple of different denominations. I had been serving at Disciples of Christ Church, uh, which is a different denomination, and then the United Church of Christ had helped put, pay my way through seminary, so they wanted me, you know. Um, and they said, you've got to choose one, Danison, and I couldn't because I liked them both so much, and I just didn't really think it mattered. So... Uh, I, I, we put to, I put together my ordination service, and then I just I invited the regional minister for the United Church of Christ, and I invited the regional minister for the Disciples of Christ to come and ordain me. And they were somewhat surprised to see each other at the service. <laughs> but they didn't know what to do, so they went ahead and did it. That's how um, Nathan Dennison got himself ordained into two denominations on the same day. Um, but, you know, the reality is that today, all of our denominations, all of these differences, they're, they're becoming less and less meaningful. You know that only one out of ten, one out of ten visitors to a church visits that church because of its denominational affiliation? One in ten. That means that nine out of every ten people who visit the church are visiting for some other reason. Um, you know, maybe that church has really good coffee. Um, but I, I think it's things like hospitality and welcome, justice, grace, friendship, music, music, of course, the beauty. So the schism in the church isn't so terrible when we look at it that way. And Jesus prays for us. And this gospel from John is very complicated and poetic, and Jesus kind of goes all over the place, but... At the foundation of the prayer is this ask that he's making of God. He prays, the glory that you've given me, I gave to them, so they may be one. The glory that God has given to Jesus Christ is the glory that's given to us, that we may be one. So that word glory is, is important to us. It should be foundational to, to our faith. What is it? Um, the, Greek, uh, the Greek from Jesus' prayers, tetele omenoi eshan, perfected in unity, in oneness. The glory, the word glory is doxa, doxa. 
It's in the Bible thousands of times. Doxa. What is doxa? Right? Um, it's what God give, it's what God, doxa is what God gave to Jesus Christ and what, God, and what Jesus Christ has given to us. Doxa is um, the foundation of the word orthodoxy. It's foundation of the word doxology. Uh, and there's not a good English word for it, so in our current Bible it gets translated as glory. That's just not really what it means. What a doxa is, is a body of wisdom. A body of wisdom. Plato, uh, uh, Plato the great philosopher, his entire work is called his doxa. It just means his body of thought, belief, philosophy, all these things. Okay, so God gave to Jesus Christ a body of knowledge. Jesus Christ gave to us a body of knowledge so that we may be made one. So the unity of the church is found in the teachings of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the whole thing. The teachings of Jesus Christ. God gave it to Jesus. He gave it to us. So what did Jesus teach? Well, here's some things that Jesus didn't say, right, to the disciples. He didn't, he didn't pray to God just as, you know, God, just as you gave me Robert's rules of order, so I give it to them for the sake of their unity. He doesn't say, God, just as you gave me Protestant Christianity. Uh, he doesn't say, God, as you showed me who to vote for in the election. Um, he doesn't say these things. He says, God, as you gave me this wisdom, I give it to, the, to them that they may be one. Um... When we experience disunity, when we experience tragedy, harm, separation, schism, alienation, our oneness, our togetherness, our hope is found in the teachings of Jesus Christ. That's it. Full stop. And if you don't know them, you can read the Gospels. You can read the Gospel. You, if you would have started reading the Gospel of Mark when I started this sermon, you'd probably be done with it at this point. The Cliff Notes version is that we need to love one another. We need to practice justice, mercy, forgiveness, and self-sacrifice and take care of the poor and the sick and the weak and the afflicted. We need to protect our children. The schism is when we turn away from the core of his teachings, when we fail to love our neighbor as ourself. So this is where the rubber meets the road, is the doxa, the wisdom of Jesus Christ. That's where we find our hope, our unity, and our peace. And as often as it is said in pulpits across this nation that this is somehow a Christian nation. I can imagine no nation less Christian than one that would permit the sacrifice of its children in order to wield power over life and death, which is what guns purport to do. Instead, a Christian nation would be one that submits to the rule, the doxa, the wisdom, and the way of Jesus Christ. And that's where we will find unity, I believe. So we remember today, on this Memorial Day, that God has already done the impossible for us. God has secured for us a good future, a place of hope. Let us seek unity today by bringing that hope, the hope of victory, the hope of salvation, the hope of mercy, 
out into the world to be a light for the world because they need it so badly. And for the sake of this church and for the sake of this city and for the sake of this nation, let us renounce the authority of all false idols, including war and guns. There's no meaning there. There's no value there. Let us be people of peace for the sake of the future of this nation. Amen. Amen.